we supposed to get married? I'm going to just swipe left. I just want somebody to share my life with. We're all here chasing this spark that doesn't often show up. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've seen me on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Well, hello there, lovers. I hope you're staying cool and beating the heat as we continue our summer series this week. We're turning the tables again with a special crossover episode featuring another one of my recent interviews. It is from another groundbreaking podcast, one that creates space for non-traditional relationships, for relationships of all kinds, and gives listeners the tools and the techniques and the scripts and the roadmap to be able to create their own relationship destiny. It is the Multi-Amory Podcast. On Dates and Mates, I recently sat down with the hosts, Jace, Emily, and Dedeker, who have made it their mission to raise awareness, provide resources, and destigmatize non-monogamy. Now, in this episode, Multi-Amory hosts Jason Dedeker interview me about the five dating loops that hold most daters back. We also talk about how to know if you should go on a second or third date, why you should microdose your dating, and tips to avoid or overcome dating app fatigue if you're already feeling it. So if you're ready to overcome your dating hurdles, then this episode is for you. I hope you enjoy listening to this crossover summer series episode with the Multi-Amory Podcast. I identify what I call five dating loops. And these are the places that people are stuck and not moving through in dating when they come to me. And it's either mindset. So that's both how you're thinking about yourself and what you have to offer in, in dating in a relationship. And it's also what you want, clarifying, really clarifying what are your dating or relationship goals and who are you looking for? Who are you looking to meet? And that's, first of all, what I think a lot of people are skipping. And that's why the, the fatigue, because we are, we're burned out because we have no criteria that we're ser- searching based on. We're, we're like, I'm looking, for, <laughs> I'm looking to feel something. I'm looking for a pretty face. And yet I'm frustrated because... I am not having meaningful connection. Welcome to the Multi-Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking to Damona Hoffman, the resident love expert of The Drew Barrymore Show, OkCupid's official dating coach, a writer, and fellow podcaster. Damona is the host of the long-running podcast, Dates and Mates, which has just launched its 10th season, wow, and recently received the award for Best Podcast of the Year at the Black Podcasting Awards. She is also an advice columnist for the LA Times and a writer on dating and relationships for the Washington Post. Today, we're so excited to have Damona on the show to discuss a variety of topics about dating, online dating, modern dating culture, including several questions that were submitted by people in our Patreon community. So Damona, thank you so much for joining us today. 
Thank you for making me sound so very official. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so you've been in the trenches in this scene, acting as a dating coach for several years. And my question is, have you seen the problems or the frustrations that people run into? Has that changed over the years or is it all varieties on the same theme of why isn't he texting me back? No. I mean, when I started doing this, which is like over 15 years ago, texting wasn't really even a thing. It wasn't even a part of the dating culture. And what I try to do in my coaching is really systematize and codify the the dating process so that it doesn't feel so out of our control and really give people, as I've done this for so long, I've seen that there really are phases that people go through. And one phase that has emerged in the last, I would say, mm, seven years or so is what I call the texting trap. So that is, we can talk about that all day, but (laughs) we can get into that later. That's a major shift. But I think it's all hinging on the fact that the speed And the mode of communication has changed dramatically in the last, let's call it 15, 20 years. And that, like people like to blame dating apps, but really uh, they should be blaming people. (laughs) And also because we want want the efficiency, but then we get the efficiency and we're like, oh, there's so much miscommunication. And we want social media to give us access to different people and different worlds and different ways of connecting. But it does come at a cost. When you mention phases that we go through, do you mean kind of cultural phases or do you mean each individual's phases of their kind of dating process? I mean, that's interesting. Uh, I mean, each person's process, but I'm like, there probably are. I'm actually writing a book right now about how we have really shifted in the way that we date. And really, when we look at it, dating is kind of a social construct that we created and it's really quite recent and yet we're still doing it based on a lot of old-fashioned rules sometimes Mm -hmm. that it's I mean I know you we've been here (laughs) I know you talk about this all the time but it's just time for a lot of these rules to be rewritten and yet here we are like on social media continuing the echo chamber of the same old stuff so fascinating how that happens. I mean, what you're saying about us wanting the efficiency and the ease of something like a dating app, but then we complain about the drawbacks of that, that makes so much sense. It's kind of like, yeah, we want the fast food, but then complain when it doesn't feel very good sometimes or when it's maybe not as nutritionally balanced as we would like it to be. Yeah, that really clicks something into place for me. I like that analogy. And you're you're so, so right. And these are new tools. Like when we really think about it, social media has really only been around about 15 years. Texting has not been our primary mode of communication. So our brains are tripping over themselves trying to adapt to these new methods of communication. And we're still <laughs> we're still engaging with people and on these communication platforms in this assuming that it's the same as it was before. And it's not. It's not at all. It's not even like I talk a lot on Dates and Mates about the difference between real time communication and where you and I, yes, we are. We are separated by the miles, but we can still see each other on video. We can read body language. I I see you nodding your head. I know you're, you're understanding what I'm saying. But 
all that context is stripped away when we get to the efficiency of text. And so it's also happening and it's also happening time shifted. So somebody can take all the time to craft a witty and perfect message, but that doesn't mean that you're going to have that same vibe when you meet in person. But I'm hearing a lot from people that are frustrated by that. Like, oh, well, that person wasn't how they seemed over text. Of course they were not, because our brains haven't been conditioned to read the social cues in text alone. It's also that thing, yeah, I'm glad that you highlighted the time shift where I can sit and craft a really witty, flirtatious, honest text message, but it arrives in that person's phone when they're like in the middle of a super stressful thing at work. And so it doesn't land the same way it would if I said it to their face, you know, and already I think that happens just across the board. So, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense that that for some reason our, our brains haven't caught up to communicating like that. And why would they? It doesn't make any freaking sense. Yeah. And also it's happening by committee in many cases. Like you get this text and you're like. Carol, can you read this text? I don't understand. What is he trying to say? And then she says, this is just my friends. And then she says, oh, I think he's trying to play you. And then you start to form this new idea in your head of something that's happening in, you know, the little ellipses Mm -hmm. and the like waiting for a response that may not even be happening. Like maybe he's just at work in the middle of a stressful meeting, like you said. Yeah, gosh, I mean, that that's I hadn't even thought about that aspect of there's this potential for all of your interpretation of everything to be colored more by your friends interpretations of the messages and kind of like you said, getting that. Wait, what does he mean by this? What what's this about in a way that you don't in person? And I could see that as a an interesting pro and a con. Right. On the one hand, I'm not just on my own getting charmed by this person and then getting, you know, bamboozled into thinking they're great when actually they're kind of shitty. But on the other hand, you could have something like that where your friend's like, no, I think they're just playing you because of her experiences when actually it's something else entirely like he's at work or, or whatever else. Yeah. And I would say that that certainly did happen before. Like I remember being up in the club or Uh however we met people before and I would hear from my friends, like there was this, this guy that I dated and my friends were just like, I don't understand you with this guy, but this other guy, he's a wrestler and he does this and he does that. And he's so cute. And I was like, not into this other guy that liked me. But then I started thinking, oh, well, all my friends like this other guy. So maybe I should date this other guy. (laughs) And it ended up not being right at all. Mm. The difference is this is now happening at hyperspeed. So while you may have had that experience, you know, that played out once every I don't know once a year Mm. like now you're having that you're having those kind of interactions every day and you're having that endorphin rush and the excitement when every time you get a message multiple times a day every time you get a response every time you send a send a message and you're waiting for a response it's an emotional roller coaster that we haven't really been taught how to ride well speaking of that I think that the natural next question that people like to ask is about the fatigue that comes from that. And I think there's many different flavors of fatigue. There's the emotional fatigue, like you're describing, of going through so many cycles of I meet someone on the app, I get excited about them, we meet in real life, it's a dud. Or I meet someone on the app, I get excited about them, and then they ghost me. Or the fatigue from I'm swiping, I'm swiping, I'm swiping, there's no one cool, there's no one cool, there's no one cool, oh my god. 
So what's your take on, uh, you know, avoiding fatigue other than just what I think most people do is reach a breaking point and then like throw their phone in the garbage and walk away for at least 20 minutes before getting back on the app? Uh, I... I wish people would do that. <laughs> the problem is they stay in it. No, they stay in it and swipe in that in that phase, and like they're like hate swiping, and mm-hmm. it it just creates uh, more. Mm, it creates more frustration. It's funny because right before the pandemic, all I got asked to talk about or write about in articles was dating fatigue. Everybody was like, "So I'm gonna please address this dating fatigue," because I'll keep coming back to the change in communication and the speed of communication. So many of my clients, like I have a system, and I tell them the system, and then they break the system, and then they're like, "Why am I so angry about this dating process? Because you didn't follow the system." I have a screening step in between. Like it's not just match chat you know most I, I should say most of my clients come to me because they're interested in a long-term monogamous relationship uh some some are poly but m- n- like m- people aren't coming to me for hookups or swinging sure. advice so the advice so i can create a system that works pretty well that can be repeated and i find that when we put a screening step in between after you've matched with someone and you're not just like message, 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 when can we meet that it makes you, first of all, a real person and not just a name and an app. And it, it allows you an opportunity to see if somebody is worth your time. And our time is really our most valuable resource, which is funny the way that we treat our time right now, because we are in such a rush to shortcut a lot of this communication that we, a lot of my clients were just ending up on dates with people that were not at all what they were looking for. But then it's wasting more time when they think they're being more efficient by just, let's just get to the date. No, just 15 minutes on a phone call, a video chat, some other screening step before so that you can hear the tone of their voice. You can see what the what the rhythm is between you when you talk. And you can tell, is this person worth me spending an hour or two with? But that wasn't happening. And so prior to the pandemic, we were on just hyperspeed. And that was all I was talking about. And then, as you know, we, we had a little speed bump that we hit. And then the screening that I had been encouraging everybody to do all along became the actual date. And so then we kind of went into this period of slow dating and the the cadence completely changed. But I've been feeling in the last, let's call it four months, like really since the summer, like the fatigue is starting to come back again. I'd believe mm-hmm. that. I, yeah, I think just kind of watching You're the cycle and watching the cycle of what people are talking about. And yeah, I think that in the past six months, I've read so many articles about heteropessimism which I think is a symptom of just general dating fatigue. So, But I want to make sure that I'm understanding your screening process because I think normally the community wisdom around this has either been just screen ahead of time before even matching, right? So, so screen with your swiping or it's been sure screen, but like it's going to be a coffee date, you know? So maybe it'll still be an hour or something like that. But you're like, no, just like 15 minutes. And that's when you formulate your impressions and just kind of see if they're worth taking even to the next step of a coffee date or a dinner date or things like that. Is that right? 
I like that. Okay. That's what I, that's my preference. And you're going to, you know, you talk to 20 different dating experts, you're going to hear 20 sure. different stories. But this has worked for me and my clients for the last 15 plus years. I do not believe in screening in pri- prior, I think we are just t- trying to do too much screening prior to matching. Mm. And I often find, <laughs> I got, I my dating accelerator program clients like almost... <laughs> ran me out of town when I said to them, I think you should try swiping a little more liberally. Oh, and wow. Everybody no, was no like, one wants to hear that. No. <laughs> but I'm like, look, here's the facts. Like, like you're trying to screen people before you've even met them. You're going based on one photo. Most times. I mean, this is how most people swipe. Mm-hmm. And it's one photo. No, 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 no. Oh, maybe. Let me look at a couple more photos. Oh, actually, no. And I'm like, if we can just let in a little bit more possibility. And so, you know, Jace, getting back to your original question of what are the phases? So I, I identify what I call five dating loops. And these are the places that people are stuck and not moving through in dating when they come to me. And it's either mindset. So that's both how you're thinking about yourself and what you have to offer in in dating, in a relationship. And it's also what you want, clarifying, really clarifying what are your dating or relationship goals and who are you looking for? Who are you looking to meet? And that's, first of all, what I think a lot of people are skipping. And that's why the the fatigue, because we are, we're burned out because we have no criteria that we're ser- searching based on. We're, we're like, I'm looking for, <laughs> I'm looking to feel something. I'm looking for a pretty face. And yet I'm, frustrated because I am not having meaningful connection. So we kind of reverse engineer that and really start with the meaning. And then, uh, then we do sourcing. Where are you finding your dates? I, I met my husband online. I am a huge fan of online dating. It's how most of my clients have met their matches. It's not the only thing. And like, people are like, well, what about off, off of, (laughs) off of dating apps in, you know, how, how do you coach your clients? Like now the pandemic is, I don't know, is it over? Is the pandemic <laughs> no over? one knows. We'll, we'll it, never it, know. I think it's Emily said it well me. the other day, which is like, we've moved into a different phase of the pandemic. I think that's okay. the safest well, thing to say. Yeah. As we're talking about phases, like, I don't know if it's over, but I'm like, I never stopped telling my clients to use other methods of meeting people. So it's the, I say it's the most powerful tool in your dating toolbox, and I'm bullish on online dating, but I don't think it's the only thing you should be doing. And that's what also creates a lot of dating fatigue. And then, then we go, go into screening, which we were just talking about. Then presentation, flirting, like how you're showing up on the date. And then follow through. And follow through is the easiest thing, and yet it's the thing that most people screw up. No, but okay, let me don't know how to close the loop. Yeah, I'm just going to guess by what you mean by follow through. That's either the sense of, okay, I'm intrigued enough that I want to get to know this person better. But maybe, I don't know, I'm too shy. I'm too busy. I get distracted by other things. Or I feel a little scared about trying to follow through with this person. Or it's that I'm not interested, but I don't know how to tell this person that I'm not interested. Does that cover the basis of follow through? Yes, you nailed it. You've nailed it. Yeah, we're we have a lot of fear in our communication. You know, I'm afraid if I tell this person I'm not interested that they'll be disappointed. And I say, what's the more compassionate thing to do to let them know you're not interested and have them experience a little bit of disappointment or for you to ghost and disappear and make them wonder 
what happened or keep them on the hook and kind of somewhat date them or hook up with them when you really know that you're not into it. That's, that's not, that's not kind or compassionate. Mm -hmm. And most, I find most people, and I know it's easier said than done, (laughs) but I, I find that most people, when they hear a clear yes or a clear no, that they just really appreciate the clarity. Well, usually a clear no. They appreciate the clarity. They appreciate knowing so they can move on. Right. Yeah. yeah. Something else I was thinking about when you were talking about the pace of things and just how fast this goes, too, is that I noticed for myself years ago, I think I commented about this on an episode of the podcast once, where I found that if I spent too long at a time looking through people's profiles on an app, you know, swiping, and even if I'm, you know, going through and reading them all, it's like you get to this point where it's just like, either you're just, uh, it's like, I don't, I don't have enough effort left in me to do this. And so I'm just saying no to everyone, or you go the other way of, I'm just, I don't know, I guess I'm just saying yes to more things. Cause maybe I'll, I'll never meet anyone and I'll be alone forever. And you can kind of get in your head about this. And I was thinking about that when you think about meeting people outside of dating apps, like when are you ever going to be presented with a hundred people that you're trying to evaluate? Like, that's just not a thing we're built for. That's not, you know what I mean? Like we might, might at a party, you might meet 20 new people. That's very different from how many you could get through in a, you know, an hour of swiping. That's a really fair point. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like, like I said earlier, it's happening at scale. It's happening yeah. so fast. And, you know, there's this this uh, this thing that psychologists call the online disinhibition effect, right? Mm-hmm. It's um, when I'm online, I may say things, I may behave in a way that I would not in person. Mm. And so the other side of that is you go, let, let's say you go to a party where you meet 100 people. Sure. You're going to be interacting with them very differently than if you have a little bit of an, a level of anonymity. And by the way, also, let's be honest, people out here cutting and pasting mm. their messages. Oh, sure. It's, oh, good, yes. it's good morning, beautiful to to 12 people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I've dated that guy. You, <laughs> right. I know. Uh, thankfully, my husband and I have been together like since before that texting was like as big as it is but I'm sure I I would have (laughs) I would have gotten those texts Mm. but it's it it is so easy to sort of hedge your bets and so what's happening is that we don't want to put ourselves out there too much because if you invest too much energy in someone and then you get disappointed you they ghost or you just find that it's not a match then you you really feel like you've lost something you've lost a piece of yourself Hmm. and it doesn't have to be that way so i want to explore what i see is maybe the other side of dating app fatigue i don't know but we've also heard from a lot of people i've heard from a lot of my clients who feel either apprehension or fatigue even before getting on the apps and i've heard this both from people who you know, have been on apps before, have done online dating before, and they're just like dreading going back to the game. I would put myself in that category. Or there's people that I've met who still have yet to ever go on a dating app, 
you know, and maybe they've been in a monogamous relationship for the last 15 years and they're new to the new to this and they're just like, oh, my God, it's going to be so terrible. Like, what would you say to people who feel that apprehension, who feel hesitant, who feel resistant to using apps for dating? And is it viable to never, ever go on a dating app these days and still meet someone? I guess it's viable. Like anytime I make a statement like, you know, dating apps are how most people meet, then somebody's like, but, but, but oh, <laughs> you know, yes. I never was on Always. a dating app. or, you know, whatever, whatever stats I have or anecdotal evidence or, or scientific evidence, somebody has a story that can dispute that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think you got, you got to try it once. Right. I don't know. I, I mean, I come from, a time when, like, my husband and I did not tell people that's how we met. Right. It was because still that was so embarrassing. Really okay, you want to hear a really embarrassing story? Yes, please. Okay. When we met, when I initially went on the apps, we did not have our, our, all of our camera rolls on our phones. I had to go to FedEx Kinko's <laughs> to have... I wish I was making this up. It makes me sound like a dinosaur. It really wasn't that long ago. But this is an example of how much, how quickly things have changed and how much they've changed. I had to get a disc, not a thumb drive, y'all, a disc with my scanned photos. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to have this guy at Kinko's because I don't know how to scan a photo. I'm like, this is so embarrassing. He's going to know, like, I'm on this dating app. And I was only on it. Like, I was meeting people out and about, but my... My boss at the time was divorced and she was like, I don't have a lot of time to date. So I'm going to be on this dating app and I'm going to set up three dates. This woman was an online dating super, superhero. She would set up three dates in an evening. Oh my God. She'd just churn them through. Yeah. <laughs> she would Gosh. churn them through. She'd be like, I'm going to leave early. I have three dates tonight. Cover for oh me. I'm like, okay, I got you. And she was like, you should try online dating like there's all these guys here and I was like I don't need to try online dating I meet people all the time I'm always on a date I'm out four or five nights a week and she was like just try it and I loved it because I felt like I just had more control over what happened in my dating life it wasn't just like by chance like well I hope somebody I like is at this bar tonight I hope somebody talks to me and uh, I I've seen just the this whole evolution play out and it's a it's amazing how quickly we forget how quickly right it's like all, all of these options they've, they've never gone away they've never gone away but what will happen now is if you if you're gonna okay i'm speaking to the people who right now are up on their high horse like i have never done dating apps i would never <laughs> do dating apps everyone if you're meeting people out and about what are they doing they're looking at their phones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. maybe the easiest way to get to them is actually by starting with the phone. Get all up in the, the phone. <laughs> that put a really funny image in my head, what you were talking about earlier about, yeah, if a guy asks you to send nudes, like having to truck on down to the FedEx Kinko's. To, to, <laughs> that was not a thing. That was not even a thing. Because <laughs> they wouldn't, they had, they had strict guidelines. Oh, I'm yes. sure. Yes. I'm sure. I'm sure. You had to actually leave your house if you wanted, if you wanted nudes, it was in person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, wow. So we would love to, before we take the break, before we go into the second half of this episode and get to some of our listener questions, is there any 
popular dating advice that you come across often or that your clients bring to you a lot that you just totally disagree with? Any hot takes? Mm, popular dating advice. Well, there's a lot of, I would say there's a lot of conflicting advice on like when you should have sex and how many dates and what. Um, and I think that's so personal. Like, I think that's so individual. I I don't think that there's a formula. <laughs> I know there's some people that have date, like a number of dates. I know uh, Steve Harvey he said, he said 90 days in his book. Before 90, sex? 90 days before sex. And I'm just like, and are, are you listening to Steve Harvey now? Are, I, mean, I was going to say, are you no, talking like no. a man the whole time that you're, are you thinking like a man thinking for those like whole 90 man. days? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Okay. But yeah. I'm like, man, woman, like anyone, <laughs> 90 days? Really? Okay. Yeah, that's. So, but a lot of people still live by these, these old yeah. rules sure. and like, oh, well I have to do this because that person said that thing and then that's the rule. And I'm, my approach on dates and mates has always been you make your own rules, but make sure that you are living by your rules. Cause the problem is when you make rules for yourself and then you are not in integrity with your own rules, then you're not keep, you're not able to really, you're not living your best life. Yeah. Do you have <laughs> an frankly. example of like rules that someone will set for their dating approach, but then not necessarily follow? Oh, well all the time I'll hear like, Oh, I, <laughs> Sometimes my clients will have a really strict idea. Like I had one guy that was like, oh, no, no, I don't date nurses. Whoa. No, no nurses. And I was like, can you explain that? Like he had like different experiences with nurses and like they were similar or he saw a correlation. So he was just like, no nurses. I had another client who had uh, been married to and then dated in a very public celebrity relationship, someone named Michael. And she was like, I found somebody on an app and I was like, look, here's this guy. He has all these things that you're looking for. And then she's like, oh no, his name's Michael. Oh, can't, boy. I can't date any more Michaels. Oh, boy. What does his name say <laughs> about his character? I can't date any more Michaels. I'm so sorry. Well, to be fair, I do have like a soft rule for myself that I can't date any more people from the VFX industry after I dated three in a row. Um, and th- this, it's, it's, it's a soft rule. It's more of if I end up matching with someone who happens to be in the VFX industry, I'm just going to roll my eyes, but I'll probably still go on the date. Yeah, that and that's fine. That's all that I'm asking people to do is to just just have a little bit of suspension of disbelief that like you know we're always looking for connections and sometimes we create correlations that may not necessarily be there. Hmm. I mean, maybe there is some connection between these people in the VFX industry or nurses, like maybe it was the nurses schedules and he just couldn't handle that, but like what I try to do then is to get underneath. What is that thing that you're saying? It's not, I don't date nurses. It's I don't date people who can't show me the same kind of care that they do for the people they work with or the Mm. other people in their life. I like that. That's probably what's underneath it. But if we just say, I can't date nurses, I can't date people in the VFX industry. I don't know. I want to know more about that. Oh, for (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. Well, it's because I lived in Los Angeles for several years. I was in the entertainment industry, mostly on the like 
acting, dancing, voiceover side, but I'm also a nerd. And who are the other nerds in the entertainment industry? It's all the VFX people. That's how that's how Jason and I met. <laughs> like, <Yep. laughs> you know that that's so. Is it? Yeah. But nothing's wrong with nerds. No, it's just nothing that at all. You didn't want to. I just don't want to be a boring person with a type. Oh. Uh, well, we are seeing that people are. The stats are showing people are dating less by type than they used to. Oh, interesting. So that's that's encouraging. That's encouraging. But it's funny to me how people identify a type. And actually, there's also some new research on how how our type is really informed by the people that we've dated in the past. Oh, yeah. So we're usually either like moving towards that thing that we that we identified like, oh, it's a funny person. Oh, it's a it's a smart, you know, creative type. That's me talking (laughs) or whatever that that thing that we identify is why we're attracted to that person. And then we seek to replicate it, Mm -hmm. but it might not have even been that thing that we identified. That was actually the reason that we connected in the first place. And we could have a whole conversation also about desirability politics and all of the implications of that. We have kind of already done that on an episode. People want to go check out multi-army episode 366. Um, That's a fantastic episode where we talk more about that. We could have a whole conversation about it, but it sounds like you've already covered it. And we, it sounds like we have a lot of other things to cover today. Yes, we have so much. Everyone was really excited to ask their questions, and we're going to get to those. But first, we're going to take a quick break to talk about some ways that you can support this show. If this is information that you value getting out there into the world for free, take a moment to check out our sponsors. And if any of them interest you, check it out. It does directly help support our show. And we're back, and we're going to get into some listener questions. Are you ready, Demona? I'm born ready. Okay, great. <laughs> All right, our first one here, and and just for everyone at home to know, some of these are combinations of a few different people's questions, because there did tend to be some themes that were recurring in these. So if this sounds similar to your question, it's probably partly based on your question. So here we go. When you are feeling on the fence about someone after a first or second date, do you recommend to keep getting to know them? Uh, in Let's see. In my experience, I've found that if I don't feel a spark on that first date, I rarely develop it after that. But I'm curious if maybe I should be more patient or if that's different for other people. And if that's the case, how do I do that without feeling like I'm leading them on when I'm kind of not sure if I'm feeling it? I'll make it simple. I have a three-date rule. <laughs> Remember how before the break I was saying all these things about like, not having rules? Yeah. Well, I have a rule. But I've had to create some timelines and rules for clients because literally, just like you, I get the same questions. And I'm like, oh, you guys want a timeline. Let me just give it to you. Three dates. So I say you lead with curiosity. If you're curious enough about them after the first date to spend another hour with them, go on the second date. If you're curious enough at the end of the second date to spend another hour with them and there's more to be discovered and they didn't offend you or have any of your deal breakers, and these are things that we figure out in the mindset at the very beginning of our dating accelerator program, if there's something in there where you're like, hmm, I'm curious or I'm intrigued or I'm enjoying this person, this human, go on a third date. If you're not feeling any kind of sexual intrigue by the end of the third date, I say probably okay to let it go. But we're all out here chasing this spark, this magical, mythical thing that 
doesn't often show up and it, especially not on the first date when people are not really themselves and are are taking their time to really figure out if they can even trust you and open up and show you who they truly are. Yeah, that no, makes a lot of sense. What do you think? I've definitely <laughs> found that some of my relationships I've had have kind of been that maybe we started as something more casual or as kind of in the same friend group and sort of hung out. And then that develops into that, oh, you know what? I'm actually pretty into this person. That it it's not just like, oh, bam, I met them right away. Versus on the other hand, I've had many experiences of, wow, we've got all this attraction and sparks right up front. And then we've got to really awkwardly figure out how to break up because this is actually not a good fit, even though we had a certain attraction there. So I do think there's a little bit of that fairy tale myth we have of, of oh, it'll yeah. be magic and you'll just know. I, I can absolutely co-sign what you just said. So my my husband just read my draft of the book and I tell this whole story about this time when I felt chemistry and I was at, there's this bar, you might know it, called Lola's in LA. Did you oh, yeah. know the martini bar? That was where I took all my dates. So I'm at Lola's, <laughs> I'm like, this is the guy and I'm like explaining all these details of the date and my husband said he was reading it like, wait, we didn't talk about musicals. We didn't, we didn't call my brother. We didn't do this. And, you know, and he was like, wait, this wasn't us. Oh, wow. <laughs> but that's, you know, I wrote it just kind of in the mindset of how at that time I was like, this is the guy. This is it. This is everything. And I didn't know that the actual guy was going to walk in the door, you know, nine months later. He was right behind him. But we we get fixated on this idea, and we really we want to feel something on a date. But I'll give your listeners, like, a really quick tip that will save them a lot of heartache to shorten that first date. We are way overstaying our welcome on the first dates. And I like to think of a date as, like, it's like a it's like a inverted U wave. <laughs> I don't, I'm not like a, a okay. science person, but it's like there's what what do you remember about your last date? You remember the beginning and you remember the end. Like and even like with my husband, I literally couldn't tell you one thing that we talked about on the date. <laughs> I I don't I don't know one thing. He has a better memory than I do, so he probably wouldn't remember. But I remember the beginning when I first saw him, and I remember. What happened at the end? And that's it. And so we leave people with those those memories and those feelings. So we want the date to feel like it's ending on a high po point. But if you spend six hours with them and you go to three different bars on your first date, you get to the point where there's a lull. And then you're like, oh, I guess I better call it a night. And then what do you remember? Well, I thought he was kind of a dud. Mm. He was kind of bored by the end. I don't know. I'm not really feeling it. Next. So it's kind of like we regulate your dosage at the beginning so that you actually micro dose know. it. Yeah, micro dose it so <laughs> okay, that you know like that. whether or not you actually like it. I'm into that. Wait, I kinda like that. T M. <laughs> yeah, like Is that how trademarks work? I we think just so. go. Yeah. You just say it on a podcast and it's done. Micro TM, 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 yep. TM. Yeah. <laughs> Microdose dating TM oh, Demona okay. Hoffman. <laughs> so I have a long preamble to this next listener question, and it's actually listener like 20 questions because we got about 20 of basically the same question, just different varieties. So let me go into my long preamble, though. So when Emily and I uh, saw you speak at Podcast Movement, you talked a little bit about your journey um, heading into this field, and you mentioned being a casting director back in the day and that you initially pivoted into offering classes for actors on developing personal branding and then moved into dating coach, to coaching. 
Now, this is really interesting to me because all three of us worked as actors in L.A. at a certain point. And so there's definitely that overlap. And so I want to speak to the tension between presenting yourself as desirable slash hireable versus presenting yourself completely authentically. So, for instance, from the actor perspective, there were these two arguments I remember. One of them was, okay, yes, on your resume, just say yes, that you can do horse riding. Even if the last time you were on a horse was 20 years ago, if that's what gets you in the room, it gets you in the room. Versus the other argument saying, don't do that. Don't embarrass yourself in the audition room. Uh, Like, really, don't say that you can do horse riding unless you are an expert. And so I think that there's similar arguments with dating and dating profiles where, okay, maybe it's not a straight up lie if I just don't mention on my profile that I'm interested in non-monogamy versus on the flip side, if I put that up front and center, maybe that means more rejection or being swiped left on by potential people who could be interested in me. So we got basically this question about, should I include blank difficult point about myself in my dating profile? Should I include non-monogamy? Should I include disability? Should I include a trauma history? Should I include the fact that I've been to prison? All kinds of stuff. So with that very long Mm. preamble, where do you fall on that? I always believe in truth in advertising. So if you were to take my class when (laughs) when you were an actor, you would hear me say, if you can't horseback ride, do not put it on your resume. Because from the casting director standpoint, we'd be pissed. We'd be like, I found this person who's fantastic. And they said they could ride horses and here they can't ride horses. And now I hired them for this job and I put my name on them to be able to do this. And now I have to go and recast. And that's a real pain in my butt. And it's not, you know, exactly the same, but it's kind of the same in dating, right? Where it's like, wait a minute, I made this whole investment in getting to know you. And now we have this core difference in what our relationship goal is or what, you know, what it looks like for us to be in a relationship. And now I feel like you hid something from me. So... You know, something that is as important as practicing non-monogamy, I do feel like that should be in in a profile. As far as a disability, I actually get the question on dates and mates a lot. Like, what if I have a, an invisible disability? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I say, if if it's something that is that is either really important to your lifestyle or very obvious from from jump, I do think you should put that in your profile. But own it like it's not it's not an issue it's like obviously not an issue if that's how you live your life you just say it like without shame and without blame and without baggage and like this just is it is what it is but I do do you need to get into all your trauma history probably not you know I tell people like your personal details they need to be earned by somebody like you 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 can't just just give them freely to anyone. Not everyone does deserves to know your story. So I say stuff like that probably should wait until you've, you've built some trust with that person. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I think that on the show, we've generally fallen on that side as well of just be truthful as much as you can up front. But, but again, there's one of those kind of tired out things that I think gets recycled a lot of that. Like, no, be as, <laughs> Be as attractive as a package as you possibly can. And I think in particular, what I've noticed is a lot of men, a lot of straight men, often operating under this assumption of like, there's just not enough options to go around, right? Like I'm getting crickets on 
all the dating apps. And so I need to like not put anything that might remotely turn anybody off on my dating profile. And I think that's where I often see a lot of people struggle is often a lot of straight men feeling like it's just too slim of pickings that I can't be fully truthful and honest about what's actually on the table here, which doesn't tend to help the whole dating culture, really. Yeah, yeah. I had somebody say, ask me, should I put a picture or should I mention that I have kids? I say no pictures of kids on your dating app. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I came down hard on my mom. For that. Oh, yeah. You cannot use oh. pics of my kids. I, my kids are not your like dating app bait. Okay. <laughs> but uh I I think you should mention that you have a child if you have a child. Like that's a that's kind of important. But there I mean everybody has something that is a thing that might make them less attractive to what I say are the wrong people. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole I I could do a whole conversation with you all about dating strategy because there is there's a right way and a wrong way to use the apps and the problem is people are out here using the tools in the wrong way they're taking a hammer they're taking a hammer and trying to use it like a saw and no wonder you are frustrated but I find that usually you can improve your online dating experience specifically by improving your dating profile, by using the app in in different ways, by searching in different ways, by trying a different app, by swapping out your primary photo. I know I just threw a bunch of stuff at at you, but (laughs) you get the point. Like there are so many ways to pull the levers. And I just feel like the, the, the weakest way to pull the lever is to say like, I'm just going to hold back this thing. That's really core to who I am or what I'm looking for because somebody is not going to see see me or like me because of it. Yeah. When we've talked about this on the past on this show, it's also kind of when it comes to non-monogamy specifically, it's that idea of sure, you might get fewer matches, but they're going to be matches who are into what you're into, or at least more likely to be where it's like, sure, I could leave that off of my profile and maybe get a bunch more matches that then I end up wasting a bunch of my time and their time when it turns out we're looking for a totally different kind of relationship. So it's that, yes. yeah, it's, it's, I think we can sometimes get caught up in, I just want that, that like dopamine hit of someone liked me and I matched with someone rather than, is this a good match? Is this actually a match? Well, this is where the social media effect comes in. So we were talking earlier about the speed of dating and the changing modes of communication. And we we didn't really touch on social media. That is a factor. Like, we have all been conditioned to chase likes. Dating apps should not be a place where you're chasing likes. You should be, you should be fostering connection, not chasing likes. And so what a lot of times when I do a profile polish for my clients they actually get fewer messages. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, great, because I would rather you have fewer messages. You are less overwhelmed, but usually they'll tell me the quality of the messages is higher. It's not just like a, hey, beautiful. It's really something substantive that speaks to who they are, what they want, what they've taken the time to write or the pictures they've taken the time to curate. And it feels better. I promise you, it feels better than empty likes to get messages that really make you feel seen. Hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I could see how uh, I imagine from a client perspective, maybe that could initially be very panic inducing of, oh, no, 
this lady's advice was terrible. Um, but yeah, paying attention to the quality of it rather than the quantity of it, I think makes a lot of sense. They usually figure it out pretty quickly because they go from I have a ton of messages and no dates to I have a ton of dates and fewer messages, but less stress around that. Just the just the act of responding to all your messages and DMs and and, you know, messages within the app and texts and all that, like that mm. is a lot. That is a lot. That is a lot of mental energy no wonder people have dating app fatigue yeah, yeah they're burnt out so they notice it pretty quickly when it's like oh my inbox is not clogged up with people that i don't want to meet but i'm actually feeling like i'm having engagement and i'm having meaningful conversations with people that is just readily apparent and i tell them in the at the beginning i'm like this is what's going to happen like i do a 10-week program this is what's going to happen you're going to have a bunch of messages you're going to have and this is going to happen and then you're going to hit like six weeks in you're going to hit a little bit of a lull and you'll be sort of waiting for the matches that are right for you and don't panic don't sign off of the app because, I mean, most people, they get the initial influx of messages. And then when they hit that lull a few weeks in, they panic and they withdraw from the app. Like most people will tell me, oh, I tried online dating. Well, how long were you on it? Well, you know, I was like on it for a week or two or I did this app and then I signed off and then I signed on. You have to give the algorithm time to work. You have to you have to put in the time to figure out even how to use the app, how to filter effectively, how to fine-tune your profile for what you're looking to meet. It doesn't happen overnight. So I can anticipate that we would probably have a lot of listeners, maybe, you know, straight male listeners who will come in with this assumption of, okay, yeah, 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 that's fine for all the, like, heterosexual and bi women who have an easy time finding a partner, but not for straight guys like me where, where it's crooked. So do you take the same approach? Do you think that's all BS? What's your take on that? I think it's mostly BS. And, you know, I hear the same thing. This is what's so funny because I have, I have, I have heterosexual clients. I have, I have queer clients. I have women, I have men, and I literally hear the same thing. So, (laughs) If everyone's having the same experience, it's like, you know, when you're at a party and you're like, and everybody is thinking that everyone else is having a better time, mm. you know, <laughs> like yeah. everybody mm-hmm. feels really awkward. And then somebody turns on your jam and everybody's on the dance floor. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to turn <laughs> on your jams. Simone is just trying to pump up the jam with the online the jam. <laughs> Love that. It does make it sound a lot more fun than I think a lot of people associate online dating. So I'm into it. I'm here for it. I do want people to 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 adopt it. I tell my clients adopt an attitude of yes. Like I'm just going to try it. Like just have fun. And like maybe you can't sustain fun for 10 weeks and that's fine. But can you sustain fun for a week? Can you say, okay, I'm going to flip my perspective on this I'm going to flip my perspective on this right now for this period of time. And then next week I will assess and next week I will assess. And if you need a break, that's fine too. Like I don't want people out here, you know, angry swiping. Right. <laughs> if you, right. if you get to that point where you're in dating fatigue or burnout, like pause, give yourself a reset 
and then come back to it when you can have a fresh mindset. And this is why I talk about the five dating loops because they it loops all the way back to the beginning. Like we got to the end. Now we're in burnout, fatigue, frustration. Let's start back over at mindset. How do we how do we adjust that and come into this fresh again with the kind of energy that's going to be attractive to the people that I want to meet? I love that. That's such a good attitude change to it. And just that idea of taking it a little bit at a time. You know, I want to have fun with this in the same way that I would hopefully be having fun if I was out somewhere meeting people in person instead of I'm here doing work and I need results for my work. I need to check this off my to-do list. I need to get that match. I need to get that date. And I think that sometimes we can end up falling into that trap, right? Of I'm so focused on results that I've lost sight of any sense of enjoying this process. Yeah, I actually, I agree with you. And I would say I'm also results oriented. I'm both results oriented and fun oriented. <laughs> and I think it it should be a blend. But that's the other thing that I do with folks in my programs. I'm like, let's get curious. Let's get curious about ourselves. What can you learn about yourself? Maybe you, maybe you didn't get laid. Maybe you didn't get the relationship that you wanted. But did you learn something? Do you have a new perspective? Did, did your... Did your experience of XYZ shift at all? And I, I get really granular. I have people sort of track those things and track their dates and see how they're changing and evolving in this process. And I think really the greatest way to get to know ourselves is actually in relationship to other people. So why not use this opportunity and, and think of... I'll just kind of reframe the results, as you were saying. Like, the result is not necessarily like, I want to have, you know, a relationship with this person and that person. If if the result is like, I want to feel this way, or I want to learn this thing about myself, and set yourself up for success even within your dating micro goals, <laughs> your micro dosing of dating. TM, TM, Then TM. you... <laughs> Sam, uh, then you can, you can make sure that you're at least getting your need met in that way. Because, you know, the truth is we don't have any control. Uh, we don't have any control over how people react or, you know, who we, who, you know, who, who we match with necessarily, but we can control how we feel about it. And through pulling some of these levers, you can see your life and your experiences shift and, the question is then what you do with that learning going forward. I love that. I love that idea of almost like giving yourself a little exit interview on each step of the process to really track that sense of what did you learn? What got clarified? What became more firmed up for you as far as what you want? I, I Yeah, that's such a wonderful idea to incorporate into the dating process so that you can at least start adding meaning even when you're running into duds or frustrations or things didn't work out the way that you did. It's like finding a way to integrate that struggle into your own growth. Gosh, that makes so much sense. Well, Demona, I think this is a wonderful place to end this conversation, even though we could talk for so much longer. Can you let our listeners know where they can find more about you and your work? You can find me on the Dates and Mates podcast every Tuesday, season 10. And uh, I also, I, I do my program, the Dating Accelerator, I do twice a year live. Uh, so that is actually 
coming up. So you can find out about all that at datesandmates.com as well as listen to episodes of the podcast or find it on your favorite podcast platform. And I'm on all the socials at Damona Hoffman. Perfect. So for our listeners, our question that we're going to be posting on our Instagram stories this week, we want to hear from you. What are your personal dating rules? Really curious to see all the answers we get to that one. Also, the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is in the episode discussion channel in our Discord server, or you can also post about it in our private Facebook group. You can get access to these groups and you can join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Emily Matlack, and me, Dedeker Winston. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanetta. Our production assistants are Rachel Shenowork and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. If you liked what you heard today, you will love the Multiamory podcast. Check out Multiamory on your favorite podcast app and be sure to follow Dedeker, Jace, and their co-host Emily on Instagram at Multiamory underscore podcast. The links will be in the show notes. We'll be back again next Tuesday with more of our summer series in the form of a masterclass about expanding your dating pool. I can't wait to hear what you think. My DMs are open at Damona Hoffman on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or if you prefer to call or text, hit me up at 424-246-6255. Until next week, I wish you happy dating.